Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and this week I've got Dr. Craig Thayer with me. Craig, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you, sir. Good. Well, it's good to be with you today. You're calling uh, your video and in from Northwest Georgia. How's, uh, how's things cooking yeah. in Georgia right now? Actually, it's a beautiful day today. So about 72, a little breeze and um, there you go. no rain. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's awesome. It's been windy as hell here. I don't know what's going on, but I look around. I'm looking at my kids' sporting events. I'm like standing there. I can barely stand up. It's so windy. I say it's a two-club wind, you know, for golf. So <laughs> it's, it's a little breezy lately. I don't know why, but uh, – so anyway, well, Craig, you are uh, you know a surgeon, a number one best-selling author, a radio show co-host, a motivational speaker. I mean, you could have probably just you know laid low and just kept staying in a surgery room, but you decided not to do that, huh? And take on all this other stuff. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I just have uh, discovered a newer passion, and that is just um, trying to get out to talk to people, and uh, and then obviously this book that was kind of almost fifteen years in the works and was my grandmother who said you've got to do this because of what you've been through in your life and this is going to motivate people and and uh she passed away august 7th of 2021 so it's been almost two years but yeah so uh and she left a couple miracles behind when she did that so like a clock that stopped two days later at the time of death because i was there for her last breath and then in a, a guest bathroom that i was staying in for the last two weeks that I was there staying with her before when she died, there was a book on this this uh, wicker chair that had a bookmark in it, her glasses on it, and so it'd been clearly read by her and that she was going to come back and read it, but the title was Gone Missing. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've had a lot of stuff um, in your life, and so you're a high-level leader now, like I said, motivational speaker and all that stuff, but you, uh, I, I love here, it says your passion is to inspire and motivate others to live their life to the fullest, so I want to get into that in a minute, but before we do that, if you can, give us a little... Uh, shed a little light, if you will, on, on the things that you've been through in your life. Like you said, you do have a story, you've got your book, um, but if you can, just give us what's made you the man you are today. All right, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. So it really kind of begins before I was born because my natural mother was in Michigan and going to be married to my natural father, but not going through catechism fast enough. So she, <laughs> about three months before due, went to Monterey, California, had me, held me for 10 days, and then gave me up for adoption. So I was an orphan for nine months and just saved by her belief in uh, in, in, in Jesus and, and God. So... And then I, part of the adoption was that I mandatorily be raised by a Catholic mom. And so who better than an Irish Catholic? My mom was 21, moved from Ireland to America and met my dad. And they couldn't have kids. And then there I am in their house. So and they were my parents and I had a strong loyalty to them growing up. They always told me that I was adopted from the beginning. It wasn't a secret. And then I think the next thing was just making me more empathic. And that was one night my dad, my sister and I were coming home and my dad opened the front door and in the living room, you could see my mom on the ground, passed out. And uh, she, that's the first time I realized she had an alcohol problem. So wow. I was about 11 when I went to an AA meeting with her. So I got to hear what people had to say about their, their alcohol and their addictions and kind of be a better empath. And then in junior year in high school, I took anatomy, physiology, knew, man, the human body's amazing. 
I, I love working with my hands. I got to be a surgeon. I was cocky and said, oh, I'm going to be a cardiac or a neurosurgeon because they're the really super cool ones. And then, um, and then I had a twisted intestine. Hmm. So just like a week before finals, my junior year. And, uh, so got over that, got back, back into the pool. I was a water polo player and a competitive swimmer. And, uh, then headed off to college and freshman year, my mom passes away. Sophomore year, I'm in a bicycle accident, cracked my head. I have spinal fluid coming out of my ear. Um, these are stories in the book. They're just how kind of God worked through my life to, you know, my mom dies. All my, I was on all male floor. My, all, all my uh, floor mates said, he's not coming back. He won't be back. There's no way. And they knew I wanted to be a surgeon. So same thing, sophomore year, I'm in the hospital. Uh, UC Davis is a quarter system. so. Two weeks is 20% of your class. They're like, you're not going to make it back. You, you, you can't catch up. And if I get off series, you know, 128 organic chemistry, now I have to take that the next quarter. I'm not going to graduate in four years, and that's going to screw everything up. So um, then junior year, my dad gets diagnosed with lung cancer, stage four. And that year, I was in off-campus dorm. And this, for, for folks that don't remember about dial phones and long-distance phone call costs, um, it had one phone jack against this one wall. It was a suite for five students. I was one of the two in the back. It was one room up front. And I plugged that in and would call my dad and I never got a bill. And I'm like, can you check with the front desk? Are you guys getting charged for the? And there was never a bill. It was, I mean, you can't explain <laughs> how I had, you know, two, three hour conversations with my dad every night and not have to pay for any of it. So. And then my dad passes away between junior and senior year. My goodness. Yeah. And then, uh, then, then, then I, um, I applied to med school and I get, um, I get this, you know, if you get, I think I applied to about 18 and I could wallpaper my room with the prediction notices. And, uh, I finally got one and, you know, if you get a thin one, that's just like a dear John letter, you're sorry, right. you know, looked at you and you're not, not, a, you can't come. So I got a thin one and it says, congratulations, you've not been accepted. And I'm like, what, <laughs> what kind of a letter Congrats. is this? Yeah. And what the hell? Says, well, you're on a wait list. So you still have a chance of getting in. So, and then, uh, during the summer I get this phone call and I think it's my friend who I'm going to pick up from one of his classes. So I answer at Craig's taxi service. And it's a lady from UC Davis Med School. And she says, well, is Craig Thayer there? And I said, oh, yeah, just a second. I covered the phone. No change in voice. Not enough time to really go get somebody. I'm back on the phone. I wonder what she thought. And said, yeah, well, and she says, you're in. So I got into UC Davis wow. Med School. And then, um, yeah. And then um, from there, I, I, I matched at UC Davis's general surgery program. And... Um, I was the last resident, which that's a six-year program, to hang my own shingle as a business. I had to get seven different insurances, malpractice, dental health, uh, renters, because I had an office, uh, workman's comp. I mean, you, you just keep going. and But it's a business, and I never you never really right. get caught up with that when you're a resident. You just learn medicine and taking care of people. So, you know, you have to come up with a P&L plan for a business loan, and I'd had some business experience with my, my dad's death. So my mom died. She had like a $25,000 life insurance policy. 
My dad invested in the fourth mortgage on an eight unit apartment complex. And after he died, that foreclosed. So we made a, we put in the eight of us, uh, there were eight that were in the fourth, put in um, an offer for, I think the first and just ours. And we got it. So we kept it for years so that no one could come back. <laughs> if we had approved it, we would have lost whatever we want, put the money in and improving it. And then uh, sold it for a big profit. So that was, you know, I was 21, 22. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty so, crazy. Uh, so accelerated business program. So, so you then go off and do your, you know, get your doctorate, your, your medical degree, and you become a surgeon, you do all those things. And, and I'm not fast forwarding through that, but I'm always curious about how when people have a nice, successful career and, uh, you know, I don't know this to be true, but I would assume that you've done, you've done pretty well, I would assume, uh, in your career, yeah. but now you're doing these other things. And I, again, I said, your passion is to inspire and motivate others to live their life to the fullest. So why are you doing this? Why are you on a podcast? Why are you writing a book instead of just staying in the uh, surgery room and collecting your check? Yeah. Um, I think a part of that was, uh, my wife wanting to get out of California just cause of different things going on. We homeschooled our last two. I have five kids, um, 32 today, actually the oldest nice. and then just turned 16. So, um, and so I, I made this, this kind of blog on my Facebook post of uniting America, you know, America's just so divided and there is something to be said about, I was privileged to plan a United States water polo team against Czechoslovakia, Germany, Russia, bunch of different countries. And you just wow. realize that, Hey man, we're all teammates. We all bleed the same. We're in this battle against whatever country it is, but it's uniting, you know, it's patriotically uniting. And so uh, a friend of mine who I literally hadn't spoken to in 40 years called me and we had a two and a half hour chat about our childhood. He, he went off to a Jesuit high school. I stayed at public. He changed swim teams. I stayed at Danzi, went to Santa Clara where Mark Spitz and those guys were. And he offered me a job at the end. He goes, what do you do? I'm like old school general surgeon. I got trained like a general contractor. I do head to toe. So if you had a big hematoma in your, in your, in your skull, I could drain it. If you've got a hole in your heart, I can open your chest, put a finger in it and sew it closed. Or I could take out your breast, colon, lung cancer. I can do vascular stuff like carotids. And so he goes, I think I need you. So I had a, uh, uh, I, I said, well, we're going out to look at Tennessee and, um, and, uh, he had a job offer like oh, two weeks after I left. So the move was kind of the first step. And then the Grant Cardone, uh, 10 X convention I went to and people telling me I needed that. I didn't even know telling me I needed to be on the stage. Um, I'm on a boy scout, uh, trip with my two youngest sons in Virginia at this gigantic camp that can, that can house 50,000 people. And this lady were shooting bows and, and stuff. And this lady, I said, I made some comments. She says, we need to put that in your book. And I'm like, how do you know I'm writing a book? She's just, just like, you just seem like you'd be writing a book. <laughs> so, and then with just my grandmother going, you need to do this. So all these signs to me were saying, you need to do this as well. Cause I've already been on medical mission trips. I've been doing that to Haiti once in 2010, almost a year after the earthquake. And then, um, and then every year 
from that to uh, Honduras and um, it's an outpatient surgery center and uh, just do a crazy number of cases in like four and a half days. Right. And so I knew I knew I needed to serve in a different way. And I was learning from these people that I really need to do it in a public way. And the book was a start to that, just showing kind of the miracles in my life that got me to this position today. And, um, and that people need to be inspired. I mean, COVID had a risk benefit, right? So sheltering in was not good for us. Right. It, 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 it raised women between the ages of 23 to 45 suicide rate sixfold. So, and, and we're built together. So, so all that said, you know, and it's difficult. I mean, kids that have been semi homeschooled because the schools weren't, you know, open are like a year and a half behind in math over a year and yeah. something in English and, and they don't communicate the same either. They're, they're almost a year to two years regressed. Um, so, so just getting out and gathering with people, inspiring, telling them my stories, um, motivating them, giving them hope that look, you know, I suppose part of that in the book is that we, if you really, there's some light, there's pictures of the light that you can't, if you really like look at this and go, man, okay, there is a higher being, higher power. It doesn't have to be Christian, but there's a higher power. And that being said, that within Christianity anyway, that, that you have an eternal life after that, right? With believing. So that gives hope to a lot of people. So yeah. that's my, my present goals. So it's basically out there. What I'm hearing is, is that we have enough you know, I would call it just garbage, right? That comes off these cell phones every day and, and the notifications, the, the media, the, the TV news everywhere. It's just, it, it is, it's, it is dividing and it's, it's terrible, man. And I think people like yourself have to step up and, and you've been blessed with a great career because you've worked your ass off, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, let's give back to that now. Would you agree with that comment? Totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So when you yeah. see that right now, what, what are some things that you would recommend for somebody listening to this? We have a lot of successful people, right? Business owners, stay-at-home parents, um, athletes, whatever it may be to listen to this podcast. What advice would you have to them? They're, they're usually probably already doing a good job anyway, but they don't want to take it to that next level. So what are the things that you would focus on if you were them? You don't know what they're doing, but if you were them, what would you be focusing on every single day? to help our country, but also more importantly, to help themselves, which ultimately helps the country. Yeah, I, I think what we just talked about. So I think if you can get up and the first thing you can do, if you, if you have faith in a God, is just reflect on that before your brain's taken over by your phone going off or yep. text message that you're getting or something. And then, and then uh, for those that can exercise early in the morning, I think that's great. Um, but, you know, what I'm talking about is a routine. So some habits that are healthy for you and your brain. And then, um, you know, and then trying to ignore as much as you can the social media. I mean, it, TikTok's entertaining, you know, but it it's entertaining. It's entertainment. It's not necessarily going to teach you anything or make you grow in any way. So, right. and, you know, a lot of the news outlets, either side, doesn't matter. They're, they're very negative and they're, and, and some are just trying to scare people. So the more fearful we get, the, so don't watch those things and, you know, um, but pay attention. I mean, you still need to know if you're in the finance world right now, we've got two California banks that just went down. Right. Um, 
you know, so you can't bury your head in the sand either. So I mean, that's where, you know, relying on strong, educated and continuing to be educated advisors for you are, is important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I obviously I 100% agree with that. And I think it's, it's, it is who you surround yourself with too. I find that the, the, the like-minded people, man, we're, we're sending text messages and different things that will inspire, you know, there, there can be the jokes and the different things that go on, but I think it's the messages that, that really inspire us. You know, like one of them today I sent out, I saw it on somebody's uh, Instagram and it was morning and it was talking about the, how life, it seems like as we get older, life goes by quicker. Right. And it, but it also said that that eight year old or nine year old, which I have one of, right. A nine year old is something like their third grade year is like 90% of their life, you know? So you think about, well, no wonder that seems like a big deal because I look back and I think, man, high school seemed like it took forever when I was there. But now my oldest is a junior in high school, right? Getting ready to be done and got a year left. I'm like, damn, that flew by. So how how do we slow down and enjoy the journey? Us parents listening to this and be in the moment. Because I think you said your, is it your oldest was going to be 32? 32 today, yeah. Yeah, so 32 today. So you as a father, how how do you slow down, enjoy the moment, enjoy the chaos, and be present? Well, I mean, I hate this. I wouldn't do it my way. So my way was unfortunately experiencing a friend who was a patient of mine 20 years prior to that and then dying. And he Mm. had a three-year-old and then four other kids. He was a football coach. He was well-respected in his community. But I had... He'd crashed. I'd taken out a spleen. When you do that, it makes you uh, subject to being at risk for overwhelming infections and death. And he had a strep throat. And that's one of the bugs that'll do it. Didn't go in, mm-hmm. didn't antibiotics, and then was late. And then in the hospital, fluids in the ICU on a ventilator. And then he has the toy won't clot. He has a big stroke and he's brain dead. So. So I looked at my life and I said, do I really need to be on this committee or that committee? And so I just started to to breed things that I didn't need to be on. And then Mm -hmm. really, I would say the the biggest committee I was on was um, this one. uh, We were forming a multi-specialty group and that that involved internists and surgeons of all categories. And we were working on the bylaws. And so we would meet every Tuesday for five to six hours every Tuesday. And then I, we were, I mean, we were this close to finishing. And then I realized, well, my other hat that I wore, and that was, that was a position that I was president elected by my peers because of the business experiences that I've had in the past. And then, and then, um, then just before we're ready to do it, I realized that as trauma medical director, I can't give certain authorities to the board like when we take vacation or who's covering call or any of those things. And so I gave him a list of eight things and, and, and then I gave it to that, that attorney for the group and the attorney that we had for our other group that we're still in. And, and they're all like, yeah, you can't give those up or you will no longer be verified by the American College Surgeons Committee on Trauma. Hmm. And not being verified then takes away your ability to, to treat trauma at your, at your medical center. So, But that, I mean, why didn't I get that sooner, right? So I think every once in a while, slowing down and just taking a look at what you're doing and seeing what's productive and what's not productive and debriding those things that aren't, aren't worth continuing to do. 
Yeah. What What's your morning? Uh, I'm assuming most successful people on here have a good morning routine, whether that's reading and prayer, meditation, exercise, you know, and you mentioned some of those things, but what would you say is, is the kind of the no mess, uh, you know, to your core, you believe these are the things that I have to do every day, uh, habits. Yeah. I mean, I think the first for me is just getting in, into the Bible usually. So, and the way I do that is an interesting kind of way. So, um, there's a first, second, third, and fourth watch at night, uh, and there's there are three or or three hour intervals, three to four hour intervals. And so, if I wake up after three, uh, I'll look at the watch, and I'll remember that time, and then I'll go the next morning and I'll Google that time as a as a chapter and verse. And it'll show. So me let me what. interrupt you real quick. So if you woke up at you know four nineteen that day, a.m., right, so you would go to. I, I just go Bible four colon 19, or I could go okay. 41 colon nine. Yeah. Cause there are chapters yep. that are, or some books that are 41 chapters long. So, and then I see what it said. And I'll tell you 99.9, <laughs> probably a hundred percent of the time, it's been exactly something meaningful for me that day or that week. And if it hasn't immediately hit me in the head the next week, when I look back, I go, Oh, okay. That's what that meant. So, or, or I'll just read some uh, devotional or, or something else, but that, that, then I've spent my time, you know, with my higher power and then, and then, um, then I'll focus on other things like, uh, going through emails just to make sure I haven't missed something. Cause I'm not very good at doing that. I've grown up in a time when I had a dial phone and, and you couldn't get a hold of me. Right. So you, you, you could find me. So now it's like you can be tracked on your phone. So, um, and then I exercise probably six days a week. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I, I grew up playing water polo. I swam from six and a half on, um, which kind of got me in trouble in seventh grade because my parents smoked. Uh, I never did. And I was in French class and the French teacher walked up and said, and my eyes are all bloodshot because they didn't have goggles at that point. So I would swim before school and after school. And uh, I just was highly irritated at the French teacher and said, you know, you don't, don't accuse me of smoking. And then she sent me to the principal's office. And so about an hour and a half, two hours sitting in his waiting room, he pulls me in and he says, okay, what are you here for? I said, well, I was accused of smoking. That's an insult. He goes, well, why is that? I said, because my body's my temple and I swim about six miles in the morning and seven miles in the evening. And he goes, what? I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I swam about six miles in the morning before school and about seven in the evening. He goes, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Fine. I mean, we understood that it was the smell of the smoke from my parents' yeah. Yeah. and my eyes are bloodshot from chlorine. So misunderstanding. I, and I was probably rude, to be honest. Right, right. So the Bible, emails, exercise, anything else? Exercise. Um, I try to eat six times a day. So breakfast and then a snack, lunch, then a snack, dinner, then a snack. Uh, it's been shown pretty well that spreading your, especially uh, glucose intake out over the day, keeps your glucose at a more steady rate. Mm-hmm. You don't get as hungry. Um, so that way it keeps my weight under control. Um, my wife's into cold therapy. I'm not, I'll, I'll go out when she does a post cause we're both health coaches as well. And so 
you know, Shamar, are you going to get in? I go, no, not that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny you but say that, man. I just sent my exercise. I sent my exercise text message, uh, and I said we're doing cold plunge tomorrow. And so far, I've only heard of uh, I've only heard back from one of the thirteen guys that they're in. So we'll see. It's always brutal. I don't love it. I don't yeah, love but they it. say it works. You know, it, it, it yeah. fires up cold uh, the cold uh, shock proteins, and so yeah, yeah. So interesting well, stuff. Um, so when you look back on your career now, I mean, what what are what are some of the risks that you happy that you are happy that you took? Um, that you know, looking back, man, that was a pretty big risk, but you're happy you did it. Uh, opening my, I was the last resident to come out of UC Davis that just hung up a shingle and opened his own private practice, and then and that's evolved. I mean, I, I left there to come to Georgia. Um, in Georgia, you're hired by the hospital in California. It has to be at an arm's yeah. length. And so you're hired into a group. And that has gradually gone from when I think I first got out of probably 70% being in private practice or a small group together to almost 100% being in groups that are yeah. uh, part of a clinic of the hospital. So what did you find out there as a business owner? I mean, right. Cause a lot of people, you go to school to be a doctor, not to be a business owner, but they're two different right. things, but, but right. you gotta be a business owner to be a doctor in that example. Right. So, I mean, I think it's kind of like, I mean, you've learned too. I mean, you, you've, your best investment is in yourself. Yeah. And so that said, um, when you can branch away from a larger group and start your own thing, like you've done, then um, you have more control. Obviously, you have more stress because you're now an entrepreneur uh, versus you know just being an employee with a guarantee. So um, that carries a lot more stress. But yeah. you know, I had I had mentors that I were that were more partners, but were colleagues that were like, hey, when it's slow, just I mean, this is you know, take advantage of that. So yeah. I think it's keen. I would have taken that I that I missed, but the the one of those was I, I think I was chief of staff at the time, so politically it would have been a horrible move. So there was a an orthopod on a committee about setting up a outpatient surgery center. The hospital was going to do it. He kept saying no, no, not a, not a good idea. And then, sure enough he and his group set up an outpatient surgery center and they invited me to be in it. And I'm like, I, you just really pissed off a lot of people. And yeah. they're not like, what are you doing? I don't think I can join that with this, that environment. So, but they made a lot of money doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think betting on yourself is, um, and you said best investment is yourself. And I agree. I mean, I, and I think too, is you got to sometimes do it before you can quote unquote afford it. Right. I mean, I remember, my first year in business, I was a 22, 23 year old kid. I did it, you know, had a great first year. My second year was terrible. And I remember coming home at the end of that second year and I told my wife I was going to hire an assistant. You know, like I needed this person, this employee. I'd have been at that time probably 24 years old hiring my first person and probably 50% of what I made the year before was going to go to this other person. Right. But I believed in that process. I believed in myself. I believed that doing that would allow me to go out and make more money and do the things that I'm uniquely qualified to do. And so from 24 now at 45 years old, I've never not had employees. And, and right. but that was a huge risk at the time that I took with my money, right. And my time and went and did it. And, and so 
what what advice when you hear me talk about that? What comes to mind for you, and how would you share some uh, learnings, if you will, with our listeners on that? Yeah, I mean, I think you need to take that leap of faith, right? Because it's it, you've you've done the work, you have the know how. Now it's a matter of of logistically doing it, right? So for yeah. surgery, it was getting an office that I could see people and do elective things. And then automatically you take calls. So you take care of all the, kind of, I would say the band-aids that we have to put on people, the car accidents, the altered things that they do, the unhealthiness of uh, overeating and diabetes with uh, wounds that won't heal or carotid disease or lung cancers from smoking or, you know, um, and they, they come into the ER and they need emergent care. So, that's always there. I'll always have a job that's just not going to ever go away. It, the, the stuff like that are complications of diseases, I hope will, as we learn more about health and, and, and what I've learned through health coaching is, you know, the more weight you lose, the less inflamed you are, all the inflammatory things go away. Like I've seen lupus and some other diseases that are autoimmune that are gone from dropping the weight and getting the fat off your body so you're not as inflamed. And they're just carrying the weight it's bad for your joints. So right. most of these are all joint things. So, and then, and then now, you know, it's, I mean, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta write the book. So I have an editor and then I need to publish the book. That's a cost. And then you got to market it somehow if you're going to market it. So there's ways to do that on the internet. And then maybe I really would, you know, do more speaking. I've, sp I've spoken before I had a terrifying experience in front of 5,000 surgeons. So <laughs> you got that one out of the way. Huh? The book, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to take some money to make money. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree. I mean, I think too, again, another bet on yourself moment was, you know, my managing partner at the time in this previous firm was saying, Hey, you got 48 hours to make a decision. And so sometimes you got to have that tough love too, that says, Hey, make the decision, but make the damn decision. So are you going to do it and bet on yourself or are you not? And, and I think there's that analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis, I should say, right. That we want to, we want everything to be perfect before we just go do it. And, and sometimes you got to, you got to build the parachute as you're coming down, right? Or you got to build a bridge as you're walking across. And, and so, which is tough to do, but you, but you got to do that. So tell, talk to us about some of those moments in your life where you were maybe building that parachute on the way down. Well, I'll tell you. So the, I, the, I trained at UC Davis and the medical center was in Sacramento, California. So uh, a small town outside of there was Hangtown, Placerville. And so a lot of the, the professors gave me grief about, oh, you're thinking about going up to Hangtown right there. And I'd gone up and I met with the CEO and they were really pro and we're going to help find me an office and, and have like a consultant do part of the, the, the business loan stuff. And um, the five other guy or four other guys that were there were initially, yeah, no problem, plenty of room. But as it got closer, they got really panicked. And literally, they wrote me a letter saying, you're really, really not welcome. Hmm. So, so that I'm like, oh, I'm not welcome to the party here. Yeah. I think one had been there the longest for 30-something years. The other, other three, I think, came around the same time. So I was like, 
well, I'm going to step on toes, but uh, they got to know me. I built the parachute on the way down, which is just be kind, be nice, love people, understand where they're coming from and their fears. And that, you know, I'm not going to, this, this town is growing and it's growing at this rate. There should be enough for everybody. So don't worry yeah. about it. You know, if there, there is a problem, so. You know, what you said there is there's enough for everybody. It makes me think about, uh, and I tell this to my kids as well, but is, is be abundant. I mean, some of my closest friends, you know, I'm, I'm picturing two people that I, that I one play golf with two I hang out with all the time and our wives, our kids we're in the exact same business in the exact same town, right? Literally. And, and so a lot of people be like, Oh, that's a competitor, right? Well, man, there is a lot. Of, of stuff to go around, right? Whether you're selling widgets or wealth management, there's, there's a lot out there. And I think that abundance mentality is sometimes missing by people. And I think what I have found is the, the most successful people have a huge amount of abundance when it comes to their business and their personal life. Right. right. So when you hear that, what, what comes to mind for you? Cause I see your head nodding, you're agreeing. Yeah, no, no. I mean, there's, there's also the, the, the anti ones, the pastor or poverty mentality, right? Right. People are like with the frozen feet that just want to fight a nine to five job and they're too afraid to do anything. And I can't invest in my, I'm not worthy of doing this. Right. And then, um, but um, the, the people who do invest in themselves, the abundance, you know, my wife started a health coach. So I'm like, babe, what, why are you doing? You know, we're making a lot of money. Right. It is. Well, because, because we give, you know, we, we go on the mission trips, which costs us a lot of money. I have to bring all my instruments and my, all my supplies, all the suture, all those things cost a lot of money. Um, but we can give more. And then one of the things we'd love to do is build surgery centers around the world. I'm going to go to mm. Uganda in the September and beginning of um, October. And they're not going to let me bring any instruments in. They won't let me bring any medications in. So I'm going to have to just kind of, kind of go as an ambassador or try and pave the way. They've got a surgery center where they do OB things, so you could do general surgery things. So we'll see, but you know, yeah, it's a re- building a parachute on the way. Up. Yeah, exactly. It's another one of those moments, and I think too, whether it may not be Uganda, but there's also things in life that we have to go do that they may not want us to bring. Again, use medicine, use you know your doctor, your your tools, all the things that you need uh, in that in that deal in Uganda, but just to life here in America, there's going to be telling people telling you, you can't do it. Right. They don't believe in you. Right. Uh, and you have to go out and believe in yourself. So like, do you have those moments where maybe they didn't believe in you, but you, your, your belief had to be greater than everybody else's negative thoughts. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've been, you know, surgery is one of those things that, um, it, it, it's a needed thing. So we have peer review. So the trauma medical director is in charge of all the trauma, right? So I, I do peer review, but I do it in a graceful way, especially if I've got newbies that are learning. But, yeah. you know, these are life or death. So if someone really did something wrong and we're going to argue about it, sometimes we get our swords out and we're going to fight. So um, and there's been some, some, some meetings that have almost ended in blows, but um, we walk away friends and... Uh, and agree to disagree and then have other people give an outside opinion in that, in that usually those situations. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, those are the ones that, you know, and, and if you've had a complication and you think you've done everything you could do to do it and there's something, some piece of information that they didn't have, and then they're accusing you of these things and you're like, 
no, but I was there and I did these things. And so, but there's that moment of like, and you need that as a surgeon. The first, if someone has a complication, the first person you need to look at is yourself and what could I have done that, right. that, that, that could be the problem. If I've sewn something together that's a pipe and it's leaking, what did I do wrong? What didn't I see? What you, if you don't examine yourself that way, then you don't improve, you don't grow, and, and it's risky for you to continue yeah. to practice. Yeah. So, and then, you know, just this, 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 what I'm doing now, you know, I'll wake up going, man, is this really, you know, do I need to do this? I think so, just because humanity needs, you know, hope and to belong and to, for me to serve and not be served. So, um, but yeah, I'm like, I look at myself like, who am I to think I'm this guy that, I mean, I'm already gifted with this pedestal that I'm putting on because I'm on dock, right? So I think Ed Milet said in some survey that the most trusted people who speak are docs because they, you know, they're just trusted by being a doc. And I'm like, right. But I'm going to use it. Yeah, those two little letters in front of your name, the DR, certainly carry some weight, don't they? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's because you've you've put into the the time, right, and the energy, and and the money, and and you've done it, and and you've worked your butt off for it. So, w- when you see this sticker here, this F greater than P sign, um, that is uh, achieving a future greater than your past. So that is our firm's mission. That is my personal mission. Uh, it is something that I get up for every single day. And I think the longer you're in business and, and you've had some sort of success, uh, there becomes a, an outward uh, maybe thought, maybe inward when we're in our 20s and we're thinking about how do you build your family and all those things. But I think once you get there, uh, there's still a long way to go. But my point is to this, when you hear achieving a future greater than your past, what comes to mind for you? Uh, the broad category of personal growth. I think, you know, when we're fixed in a job that's the same routine every day, we're not really growing either mind, body, spirit or or anything, you know. Um, And I'll tell you, it's funny because the health coaching thing that my wife and I got into, which directs us to Grant Cardone's 10X thing, um, all personal growth, to listen to Magic Johnson talk about, um, you know, turning... um, Starbucks in San Francisco into Starbucks that will work because they're playing the wrong music and they've got the wrong food for their culture in that area. Hmm. Or John Travolta talking about wanting to get a his 707 refurbished and uh, goes to um, Qantas because he loves the logo and says, hey, I'd love to buy one of your planes. And the CEO leans over and says, John, I don't think you got this right we want to do something for you. So come back in a month and we'll figure it out. So hearing these people's stories, whether it's business growth or spiritual growth, you know, getting more into the Bible, doing Bible studies, leading, you know, having groups come to your house to speak or even in a bigger platform um, uh, or, you know, physically, you know, coaching them through their health, uh, both. Yeah. Move better movement, hydration, sleep, all the factors that we know are important for longevity. Yeah. So, yeah. So, talk about that sleep. I mean, how critically important is it? Because obviously, I know that I've talked about it a ton on this podcast. But, you know, even last night, you know, you get sucked into a, my oldest got me to watching Breaking Bad and, you know, you get sucked into one more episode, right? Yep. And the next thing you know, your eyes are bleeding and you should be sleeping. But, <laughs> 
how do we train ourselves into thinking about that and thinking about it in the moment? And maybe I shouldn't expect perfection and know it's just not going to happen, but, but how critically important is this sleep to us and what are we missing when we're not getting the right, the right number? So yeah, REM sleep and deep sleep are the important ones, right? So I have a Fitbit that I wear. It gives me what my REM on my deep are each night and um, they're affected by different things, you know, um, alcohol, not, not one or two drinks have a significant, but if you're drinking more than that, that's going to have an effect. Your heart rate variability, which is a new parameter, uh, goes down. So the more stressed and sympathetic nervous systems firing, the less variability you have in your heart. It's just kind of fixed at a higher heart rate and that's not good for you. Um, but yeah, sleep, but I, and I also do believe just because of practicing medicine, people who work an evening job like ER docs have a shorter lifespan and then yeah. add, add more variability to that. Like what I've been doing to myself, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm death's door. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but I do believe that it is a, there's a, like a sleep bank. So if you, you need eight hours and you get seven, then you can make it up the next night or somewhere within the next week. And that, that will restore you back to the health yeah. that you should so yeah, yeah. And you're, it's your brain your brain's going through alpha and different waves that that are the other longevity thing is um which is why intermittent fasting is supposed to be uh, a longevity thing not so much for weight loss but um you know it gives your you're not eating and your body kind of consuming and metabolizing food and then producing waste if you give it a break long enough, then your brain cells and all the other cells kind of clean up all the excess junk inside the cell for a longer period of time. And that's supposed to be healthier for you. So some evidence that that's true. So awesome. interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to play a game here. I, I went up to your, I'm on your Instagram. So I'm going to have you pick a number between one and 10 on this game. And then we're going to uh, pick another number after that. So between one and 10, number seven. All right. Three, number seven. Now a number between one and three, one, two, three. three. All right. Number three. It's a, it looks like it's a video here from you. And uh, it says, let's get healthy together. And uh, so I, you know, can't obviously show the whole video right here, but you've got your video. It's you on your Instagram here. Let's get healthy together. So what are we what are we talking about there? What, what are we saying? Let's get healthy together. What's that about? So it, it's two things. One is uh, I think we all need coaches for different parts of our life, and health is probably one of those. It definitely works. I mean, like I said, I've seen people drop hundreds of pounds, and they're, they're no longer diabetic. They're I don't know if you ever watched the show Biggest Loser, but that's kind of the first time. Out, yeah. And look, we can lose this kind of weight, and it's not through gastric bypass or any of those things. And, but the reality is, is that that's a symptom of a symptom. So you're eating too much. So you're obese, but why are you eating too much? That's a whole, that's the problem that a coach gets to in the psyche of a player, right? So how do you motivate? How do you inspire and best? And I think you said this in in your podcast, passion, right? So the inspiration and motivation disappear within about a week, they say, behaviorally, but passion is the one that keeps you going. Like, yeah. like passion wants to be a surgeon, right? So, so I think one, it's, it's having a coach and two, more importantly, if you're married or you have a partner, um, my wife 
would put me through so many different diets, whole 30 macro counting, uh, you know, and, uh, <laughs> finally she, she agreed to do this other program, which is what we use to help people get healthy. Um, and, uh, I dropped 40 pounds. I gained 40 pounds when we, when I went to one and three call your life pretty much ends, uh, you know, you're on and then you're up all night and you're operating the next day and then you're uh, off that day, but then you're on the next day. It's like you just don't, you're canceled vacations and I gained 40 pounds and it stayed that way until wow. I said like the chapter on Jason and time that uh, I realized I don't need to be on these committees. I don't need to, I need to take better care of myself. And then, and then when I did it with my wife, Steph, you're eating the same things. You're, you, you know, she reminds you of this. I remind her of this and, and, uh, we do it together. So if you can partner up with someone, that's always, yeah. always better. Yeah. The accountability is huge. That's what I was saying earlier. These 13 guys on a text message that, you know, tomorrow morning when my alarm goes off at, you know, five thirty-eight or whatever it'll be, you know, maybe a little chilly. I'm gonna be like, Oh, it'd be a lot better to stay in bed. You know, if I was doing it by myself, but knowing there's gonna be people in literally in my own backyard working out without me is uh, that'll be kind of, you know, awkward, kind of weird if I don't show up. Right. Right. But you got to create well, that, right? Yeah. I had to create that, 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 that atmosphere, that community uh, to make myself uncomfortable because I knew I wouldn't do it without them. Right. Me either. I mean, I always, yeah. if it's an individual thing, like swimming is very individual. There's not yeah. really a team. Water polo is totally team. If I'm not there, I can't, the, the team can't work up on certain drills. Yeah. There's, there's a, a PowerPoint in, in uh, water polo where someone's ejected for 20 seconds. So it's kind of like hockey where you're a man up and you got to work on these techniques to get the goal. And yeah. uh, if I'm not there, they don't do that. So I hurt yeah. the team. So, so that's key. But otherwise, individually, it's just setting goals. Like, okay, we used to cycle a lot. So let's do this, this cycling and, um, in uh, Fresno on the 30th of July. And then you set these dates and you got to get there. Or I do this, we call it the death march. It's a backpack trip with a bunch of guys and we're on trail the first day and then I'm off going across the Sierras. So it's a blast, but it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's just, it's guys need a fight. According to a good book, it's, um, oh man, it's by Eldridge, blocking on the name. But anyway, uh, we need to fight. We need adventure and we need beauty in our lives. So it keeps us going as men. That's right. What do you think about rucking? I heard you talking about the backpacking. Are you, are you a fan of rucking? And for those that don't know what that is, it's, you know, basically a backpack with weights on it and you're walking and you know, maybe it's 10 pounds or 30 pounds, whatever you're carrying. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. My oldest son just did that. He's up in Seattle working at Boeing. So he okay. and his girlfriend teamed up together and they rucked. <laughs> Yeah, they, they had to cross some streams with it. I think his was a 30 pound rock and yeah, no, it's good fitness. Yeah. Okay. So you're a big fan of that or not maybe a big fan, but you're yeah, a believer in it. It's good for you. It's more comfortable than a rock by far. So you got yeah. the strap and it's internally supported. So you got a belt that's so it rests on your hips. And, but when you start to climb like really ladder up stuff and kind of mountaineer, you yeah. got to strap it down cause it'll swing in around and stuff. And then it's all on your shoulders. So but it's, yeah, I think they're both good. Good. You really have to get in shape to go on the trip. So that's what motivates me. It's like, sure. if I don't, I'm going to suffer. Right. Yeah, first world problems here. I'm thinking about an August golf trip where I got to walk 36 holes every single day for five straight days. I'm like, God, I'm going to have to get way more in shape for this. Well, it's not just that. It's like, for me, it's I got to get my feet in, in, 
wear yeah. worn in boots. That's right. You would be, well, your feet My golf shoes. Yeah. Golf, golf gear. Yeah. So, I mean, and it makes it different. You know, if you start to get a hot spot and don't, don't take care of it or, you know, you get a blister yeah. and you're, you're hurting the whole, whole yeah. time. It's not really as fun. So yeah, getting on a treadmill with, uh, without the spikes. That's right. <laughs> well, where do our listeners uh, find more of you? Uh, Craig Thayer here. Looks like you got a website, craigthayer.net. Uh, maybe some social media. Is that right? Yeah. So, and on that site, you can click on my book. It'll take you to Amazon. Um, just put my name in and, and saved in Amazon search. You should find that. Awesome. Um, I'm also, I also have an email. It's uh, Craig at the number four fairs.com. So Craig at four fairs.com. Um, I'm on, uh, apparently now LinkedIn is a big one. So I'm uh, at in backslash Craig dash there. And I've, I've been on Facebook. There was tank there to go incognito, but now that my wife wanted me more high profile. It was Craig Tank Thayer and all the people. That was a nickname from Water Polo. Got oh. really irritated about that. So now it's Craig Tank Thayer on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and then add Tank Thayer for Instagram. And then I oh, just tweeted right. Twitter. So I'm a new tweeter. At, uh, and it's at Craig Tank Thayer. So those okay. are all my contacts. We'll put all those in the show notes here below. People can reach out uh, to Craig who is a uh, surgeon and a best-selling author, radio show co-host, and a motivational speaker. Amazing stuff. Thanks for sharing your wisdom today, Craig. Really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you, Brett. Thank you. It was an honor being on your show.